right. Welcome and good morning. Let me start with a question. Do we have any Disney fans in the house? Where are you guys at? Yes. Yes. Um, what? Boo. Who boos Disney? My goodness. Sheesh. Isn't it funny how many of us really enjoy kids' movies? Like, I don't know about you, I'm a grown adult, I don't have any kids, and I still enjoy watching a good kids' movie every once in a while. Cartoons are often kind of made for and marketed to children, but we adults can find a lot to like inside of a good kids' movie as well, right? Why is it that we enjoy and connect with kids' movies so much? Um, Maybe because some of us never grew up, right? We're just big kids at heart, and so we enjoy it. But even more importantly than that, a good kid's story works on multiple levels, doesn't it? Like if you watch a good kid's movie, there are a bunch of different ways that you can enjoy it. So if you're three years old, you can enjoy the colors and the songs and things like that. If you're 30 years old, you get to enjoy all the jokes that go over your kid's head, right? And, you know, when you're watching kids' shows, a lot of times, as an adult, you realize that they're dealing with some really grown-up themes and issues inside of these kids' movies, aren't they? Like, even some of the Disney classics, you're like, wow, I'm glad that my kids are not old enough to know what's actually going on in this story. Now, there are several different stories that are told in the Bible that fall into this same category, this same idea that, you know, often they are presented as kids' stories. They're, you know, made for or they're appropriate for very, very young children. And you might think as an adult, there's really not a lot in there for you because they're kids' stories. And so kids are the ones who need to read these things. And us adults, we'll we'll study the book of Romans. You know, we'll leave these other stories like Noah's Ark. We'll leave those for the kids, right? Until you actually start reading these quote-unquote kids' stories in the Bible. And you're like, wow, these things are crazy interesting. I had no idea that there's so much depth and meaning to these stories that I always thought were were just simple picture book kind of tales. Today, we're actually kicking off a brand new series called If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect. And what we're doing is we're going to be telling you one of those stories that often gets summed up as a cartoon or a kid's story, but for the next five weeks, actually, we're going to be walking through the story and the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, right? Now, even if you're not a religious person, you know a little something about the story of Jonah. If I say Jonah, what jumps into your mind? The whale or the big fish, right? Absolutely. Everybody, even people who are not Christians, even people who've never cracked open the Bible and read it, they have some sense that, yeah, there's a guy named Jonah. And, you know, I think like somehow or another, he was swallowed by a whale. And then if I remember how the story goes right, he was in the whale's mouth and he lit a candle and the candle put off a bunch of smoke inside of the whale. And that caused the whale to sneeze. And Jonah got sneezed out onto dry land. And then he became a real boy for the rest of his life. Or that was Pinocchio. I get confused sometimes. But it's a story that we're all kind of familiar with. And if you think, oh, Jonah's one of those stories that's good for my kids back in children's church, but I'm not so sure that there's going to be any value for me in the story of Jonah, can I say, I am so glad that you're here this morning. Because you're going to find out that Jonah is not a kid's story. 
you're going to find out that Jonah deals with some incredibly adult ideas and themes. In fact, if in your mind the story of Jonah is the story of a guy who's swallowed up by some sort of sea creature, can I tell you that is not at all the point of this story? Did you know that this entire episode of Jonah being swallowed up by a great fish is told in three verses? Not three chapters, it takes three verses, 49 words to tell this great big story about Jonah being swallowed up by some sea creature. Like it's so short that you could read that entire section of this story in one Insta story. You know what I mean? 15 seconds and that's all the Bible has to say. So when we make the story of Jonah primarily about the whale or the fish or you know the miracle there, We miss out on the much, much deeper stuff that's actually going on. You'll find out as we dive into this story that it is full of amazing information, amazing inspiration, where God reveals his love for every single person on the planet, and he reveals our reluctance to cooperate with his plans and love for every single person on the planet. This is an amazing story, and I'm so glad that we're taking the time to dive into it. Because if you're not ready, well, then you're just like Jonah, and that means you're perfect for God's purposes. So we're going to read here in Jonah chapter number one this morning, and we'll have the verses on the screen for you, but I want to remind you that this very Bible that I'm reading and preaching from, we give away for free out at the guest center. And so if you don't have a copy of the scripture, we want you to leave with one. It is totally free, no strings attached. You don't even have to fill out a card for one of these guys, okay? Just stop by that big orange welcome home banner and say, can I have one of those Bibles that Pastor Dan was talking about, and we'll give you one. Why? Because the scripture is good for you, not just on Sunday mornings when I say open it up and I read it to you, but it's good for you on Monday and Thursday and Saturday. And so if you have a copy of the Bible, we want you to to try and read it, to try and understand it. It's a very, very important component of your faith. And so be sure to pick one of those up. Okay, Jonah chapter number one. Let's start reading here in verse number one. The scripture says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah who was the son of a man named Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And I want you to announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Then in verse three, the Bible says, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. Why? To get away from the Lord. He went down to the port city of Joppa and there he found a ship that was sailing for Tarshish. He bought a ticket And he went on board, look at what the scripture says. He did this hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Oh my goodness. Now, if you've never heard this story before, at least outside of the cartoons, it's probably full of a bunch of names and a bunch of places that you're not familiar with. And that's okay, right? It's okay that you, first time you pick up a story in the Bible, you don't fully understand what's going on. We're gonna help you over the next several weeks understand precisely what's happening. But even if you don't know who Amittai was or you couldn't pick out Nineveh on a map, you probably get the sense that whatever it was Jonah was supposed to do, he wasn't having it, right? Whatever it was that God was asking him to do in this moment, Jonah decided, no, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to run away as far and as fast as I possibly can. So what's going on in this story? 
What is it that God said to Jonah that caused him to freak out so badly and to run away? And how does this lead us to the moment where he's eaten by a great big fish and then God does something miraculous even after that? What we're going to do this morning is we're actually just going to break down these first three verses because I want you to get a sense of what's happening before we move into the larger plot of this story. So we find out here in verse number one, the central character of this message is Jonah, which is good because the book is named after him. Him. This is the main guy that we're going to be talking about. And we learn from the Bible that Jonah lived in about uh, 720 BC. So this guy was 3,000, almost 3,000 years ago in the ancient Middle East. And he was a Jewish prophet. That's kind of who he was. It's what he did. And a prophet in the Old Testament was somebody who spoke on God's behalf to the people. So God would have a message that he wanted to communicate to his people, and the way that he would get that message is he would choose somebody to deliver that message. And so he tapped Jonah, or he tapped Isaiah, or he tapped whoever on the shoulder, and he said, here, I want you to go share this message with the people of Israel. Sometimes the message was good. Sometimes God would say, man, you guys have been doing so great. Your hearts are pure in your worship. You're treating each other well. I just want you to know that I see it. I'm proud of you. And in fact, I'm going to bless you for doing that. But as you can probably guess, most of the time, the messages were not so positive. Usually, the prophets had a message to deliver in which God essentially says, you guys need to change the way you're treating one another, or you need to repent from your thoughts about me or the ways that you're worshiping me. And often, this message from prophets included in in, or else component or a clause where God said, if you don't change, then you're going to have to deal with some pretty strong consequences. So you can probably imagine it was tough to be a prophet in ancient Israel, to share a message with people that they didn't always want to hear, to try to correct them and get them on onto God's wavelength and God's plan. It was very, very tough. So Jonah was a typical Jewish guy whom God chose and selected to be a prophet, to deliver a message. Now we find out that the message, the content of this message was basically the same as most other prophecies or most other messages that prophets were going to deliver. Nineveh, you guys are bad. You're no good. You need to change. God is so frustrated with the way that you've been dealing with things that, you know, it's time for you to change or God is going to judge you. So we see this component here. Um, We'll put it here on the screen for you that Jonah was supposed to announce God's judgment. That was the message that he was given. So, so far, everything that's happened has been pretty standard. Like this, he was a normal Jewish guy who was called to be a prophet. The message that he was given was like super standard and typical. You guys have gotten off track. You need to get on track or you're going to have to deal with the consequences. But what made this particular calling so different was the audience that Jonah was supposed to deliver the message to. See, up until this point, Jewish prophets were only sent to Jewish people. That was the way God worked. And so he would say, I want you to go talk to your fellow countrymen. I want you to go talk to your brothers and sisters around the nation of Israel. And I want you to tell them they've gotten off track and they need to to get back on track. Typically, a Jewish prophet would speak to people who had the same worldview. They had the same beliefs about God. They had the same culture that the prophet did. But you'll notice here in verse number two, God doesn't send Jonah 
to Israel, he sends Jonah to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh may be a place that you're unfamiliar with, but you can actually go visit Nineveh today. Nineveh, the ancient city of Nineveh, is what we now know as modern-day Mosul, Iraq. So if you've heard of the city of Mosul, it's been in the news a bunch over the last 20 years because wars that have been fought there, that is where the, uh, the city of, of Nineveh actually was. And so this is interesting because before we even get into who the Ninevites were and what it was that God was so upset that they were doing, as far as we know, this is the very first time that God specifically commissions a prophet to go as a foreign missionary to another culture and to say, hey guys, a God you don't believe in is going to destroy you if you don't get right. (laughs) This was a scary commissioning. This was a scary calling that poor Jonah had been given. And when you start to understand that, it's like, okay, maybe maybe I understand a little bit why he ran in the opposite direction, so to speak. But it goes even another level deeper than that because we don't really know who the Ninevites were, but Jonah knew who the Ninevites were. See, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was the capital city of the nation of Assyria. And at their time, the nation of Assyria was the, the biggest, baddest, most powerful civilization on earth. And the way that the Ninevites, the way that the Assyrians got to be the biggest, baddest civilization on earth is that they were the most vicious and violent civilization on the planet at the time. Like seriously, historians remember the Assyrians as people who loved conquering and torturing people. That was like what they did, you know, they loved it so very much. Um, In fact, as far as we know, the Assyrians were the very first culture that had the practice of taking somebody into the desert, burying them in the sand up to their head, and then just leaving them to die from thirst or exposure. That's terrible. That's an awful way to go. Not clean, not quick. It was a way of torturing and demeaning people. They also had a, um, they had a tendency to flay people alive, like literally while people are still alive to cut them into pieces. There was one historian I read, and um, he said there's evidence that one of the ways the Ninevites would torture their enemies is by forcing them to listen to Nickelback for hours and hours and hours. I mean, these were awful people. Okay, I probably shouldn't make fun of that, but like, I got to lighten the mood a little because you understand these were evil people who didn't just conquer, but they destroyed, they tortured, they loved inflicting pain on the people they were conquering. In fact, we actually know from secular history outside of the Bible, there were several cases in which there was a city that the Assyrian army was marching against. The people in this city knew the Assyrians were going to come and attack. And rather than wait and fight it out and hope they might survive, we actually know of instances where the entire city just committed mass suicide because they thought it would be better for us to die in an instant at our own hand than to allow the Assyrians to come in and to do what it is that the Assyrians do. So you can understand why when God shows up and says, Jonah, I want to send you to a foreign country, he's like, ah, and then he's like, by the way, the foreign country you're going to go talk to is the Assyrians, and I want you to go to their capital city. You could see why Jonah freaked out and ran. I mean, can you imagine Jonah trying to go to the most powerful and violent civilization on earth, one lone man walking into the city and saying, repent, or in 40 days, God is going to destroy you? Does anybody think he has a chance of being successful? 
Do you think Jonah was like, oh yeah, I could do that? No, he was totally freaking out. He was like, they're not gonna listen to me. They don't even believe in the God that I'm telling them about. Are you kidding me? Imagine if this week there's some guy at a C-train station downtown Calgary and he's just screaming, Canada, repent, repent, or in 40 days, God's gonna pronounce judgment. He's American, apparently. He's just yelling, you know, that thick Southern accent. Do you think there's any likelihood at all that Canada would break out in revival and people are like, oh my gosh, listen to that guy. We need to change our ways. No, of course not. In modern Canada, we would ignore that guy. In ancient Assyria, they would kill that guy. So God calls Jonah to go to a foreign nation to give them a message they don't wanna hear. And Jonah knows the likelihood is he's going to be killed for what he's about to do. So Jonah decides to play catch me if, if you can, you know? He decides, rather than going where God wants me to go, the scripture tells us he goes in the complete opposite direction. And I want you to kind of understand what's going on here, and it'll show you how extreme Jonah's reaction is. So I'm going to put a map on the screen, and I want you to remember again what the Bible says in verse number three, Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction from the Lord. So you can see on the map here in the bottom right-hand corner where it says Joppa, that that's Israel. That's ancient Israel. That's the general area that Jonah was in when God's word comes to him. And you can see that just to the east and a little bit north is the ancient capital of Nineveh in, in ancient Iraq. So that's the direction that God is sending Jonah. I want you to go over land. I want you to go to the east. I want you to go to the great city. That purple line, though, is where the Bible tells us that Jonah actually tries to go. So he jumps on a boat there at the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, and he sails 4,000 kilometers in the opposite direction. He goes all the way to this ancient city of Tarshish, which as far as they knew, it was the end of the world. There was nothing beyond it in, a, in, a, in, a, in their mindset. That's all there was. So he is literally going as far away, as fast away as he possibly can. The Bible's not exaggerating when it says he goes in the opposite direction. Instead of going over land, he sets sail. Instead of going to the east, he ends up going to the west. Instead of being brave, he runs like a coward. Instead of going to Nineveh, he tries to hide at the ends of the earth. So God speaks to Jonah. Jonah freaks out because of who he's supposed to go talk to, and he runs the opposite direction. Now, we're actually going to pause the story of Jonah right there, and that's all we're going to cover in the story today. If you want to know what happens next, I want you to come back next week and the week after that, because we're going to cover this for a little bit. But here's the deal. Our temptation with a story like Jonah's is to get to the good part. You know what I mean? Like, come on, he was swallowed by a whale. What, really, do you believe that? Let's talk about that. And we're going to in two weeks. But our temptation is to skip over a lot of this preliminary stuff. And when we do, we miss out on some really rich teaching in Scripture. Because believe it or not, we can take these first three verses and we can pull out some incredibly powerful principles that have the, the capacity to change our lives, to flip the way that we view God, to flip the way that we view our purpose and our place here on earth. Why is that? How does it work that way? How is it so relatable to me and to you? 
let's be real for a second. We are basically all Jonah, aren't we? I mean, can you not see the parallels between what Jonah is going through and the way that you've responded and related to God at various times in your life? I know that I certainly can. And if perhaps you're like, I'm not quite sure I totally see it, I wanna help you connect some of those dots this morning because these principles, I'm telling you, man, they are so good. I really don't want you to miss them. So let me give you the first one. We find this in verse number one. Principle number one I want you to see here in the first three verses of the book of Jonah is that each of you are here on purpose for a purpose. You are here on earth on purpose and for a purpose. God, it wasn't an accident that God chose Jonah. Do you realize that? And God didn't choose Jonah at random. He wasn't looking at all the Israelites and he's like, "Mm, you, why not? No, God chose Jonah specifically because God had a specific plan for Jonah's life. And he was so committed to that that he wouldn't let Jonah walk away from his plans and purposes for his life. Now, we know this is true because the way that God could have handled this situation is the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go preach against the Ninevites. Jonah freaks out, jumps on a boat, and sails in the opposite direction. What God could have done is he could have said, where's that guy going? Oh, I'm gonna deal with you in a minute. And then he could have sent the word to somebody else, like D'Angelo, son of Jeremetrius. Now you go preach against the Ninevites and I'm gonna handle Jonah. And he could have sent a whale to come gobble up Jonah. He would have been dead and that would have been the end of it, right? But that is not what God does. He doesn't let Jonah get away. Instead, he chases Jonah down. He forces Jonah to confront what he's trying to run away from because Jonah is not just a means to God's end. Jonah is fundamental. He's integral to the purpose that God is trying to accomplish. See, I think sometimes we have this idea that God is this cosmic chess player and we're all just pawns on his board and he moves us around, he does what he wants us to do and sometimes we're expendable and sometimes we're exchangeable and you know, whatever, whatever and God's just doing his thing and we are the tools to his end. But can I tell you, that is not at all what the Bible teaches. Instead, the Bible actually teaches that we are fundamental to God's purpose in this world. We are integral to what he's trying to accomplish. Now this is not because we're so awesome, it's not because God couldn't do what God wanted to do without somebody like Jonah or without somebody like Dan or somebody like you. But instead, God loves each of us so fully and completely that everything he's trying to do in the world is about accomplishing his purposes in his creation, including me and you. So we're not the tools to God's end. We are his beloved children. And the end that God is working through, every action God takes in the world is to try to bring his creation, to restore it back to the loving relationship that he always intended for it to have. So you can look at Jonah and you can say, oh, God chose him at random and wanted him to do that. And you know, he wasn't really important. No, that's not the case at all. Jonah was here on earth on purpose and for a purpose. And so are you. So am I. Some of you, you think to yourself, like, I always wonder, you know, like, is there more to life than this? Is there some big purpose for me existing? Or is it just kind of 70 years of randomness and then, you know, the sweet bliss of the grave takes me away? I mean, you wonder, there's gotta be more. 
than working all the time and taking the kids to hockey practice and paying the bills and escaping for one week on holiday each year. There's got to be more than this. Some of you may even be sitting here this morning and you're wondering, like, does it even matter if I'm here? Like, would the world care if I were gone? Would I be better off if I weren't here? And I'm telling you, on the authority of Scripture, based on what we read in Jonah's story and over and over again, every single one of us are here on purpose and for a purpose. There is a reason that you are alive and you exist. Now, your mission may, I mean, your, your purpose may not be international missions, okay? Like that may not be what God is calling you to like he did Jonah. But I'll also say, some of you, that may be your purpose, There are some people in here that have gifts and callings on their life and you don't even realize what they are yet. Like truly, there could be an international missionary sitting in one of these seats right now. I believe there are pastors. There are some of you that have the gifting and calling of God to pastor and you don't know it yet and you say, oh, not me, not me. Yes, you. We have people who are small group leaders and you say, oh, not me, not me. Yes, the gifting and the calling already exists on your life. You just have to discover it. We have people who God has gifted to serve, people who God has gifted to give, people who have the gifting of hospitality and encouragement and prayer. All of those things are present on you. You just don't know it yet. So there is a calling that exists on your life. In the same way that there's a calling and a purpose for Jonah, there is a calling and a purpose for every single one of us. And for as long as you're oblivious to this purpose that God has in your life, Or like Jonah, you try to run away from God's purpose because it totally freaks you out. For as long as that's true of you, you will end up dissatisfied and unfulfilled. But if you'll start to discover God's purpose for you, if you'll start to live it out every single day, then you will be able to accomplish things that you never thought were possible. Quite literally, God can use you to change the world in the same way that he uses Jonah or he uses our worship team or he uses whoever it might be to make a difference in the world. Guys, that's not hype. That's not me trying to sell you snake oil. I'm serious. God can use a normal person like you to change the world. We see him doing it with Jonah. We see him doing it with all sorts of people. It's been said that the two best days of your life are the day you're born, the day you're born, and the day you find out why. And some of you are just waiting to find out why. You're wondering, what's my purpose? What's my plan? I feel like I'm meant more. I'm meant for more than what I'm settling for. So how do I know? What do I do? Well, we want to help. There are a couple of things you can do, but one of them is to go through our Next Steps class. Today, immediately after our service, we are having a gathering of people, and we're having what we call Next Steps 2, Step 2, right? And the whole point of Next Steps is to help you discover your purpose on earth, how God has wired you, how he's gifted you, so that you can make a difference in his kingdom, so that you can change the world. And so I think it's time for some of you, many of you, to go ahead and go through Next Steps. You've heard us talk about it week in and week out, and you're like, yeah, we should do that at some point. Today's the day. All right, because there's this calling and gifting on your life and we wanna help you to discover it. So just go ahead and look at your neighbor, the person that came with you and you're like, I guess we're going to Next Steps today. It happens immediately following the service at the party room up front. 
there's no reason not to do it. We're doing a personality bingo game today. It's going to be so much fun. You're going to get to learn more about yourself. And again, that will help you to discover the giftings on your life and how God wants you to serve and to make a difference. Now, You're here on purpose for a purpose. I want you to know that deep down in your soul. But the second principle that we see here from uh, verses one through three is that your purpose comes from God, okay? You're here on purpose for a purpose, and that purpose, it actually comes from God. Can we put that slide up? Your purpose comes from God. There we go. See, one minute Jonah's doing his thing right? He's just living his life. He doesn't know what his purpose is. He's just being a guy. And then the next minute, Jonah discovers his purpose. He's sent on a mission that's going to change his life. It's going to change the course of history. What was the difference between Jonah, who was unaware of what God's purpose in his life was, and Jonah, the guy who was sent on a mission to change everything. The difference happened in verse number one, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. That's the difference in your life as well. It's the word of God. This is where you will discover God's purpose for your life. Now you say, but I've already got purposes, Dan. I've got a ton of goals that I've set. Maybe your goal that you've set is to get married. You're like, 2019 is my year. It's going to happen. Maybe your goal is to become a parent. You've been waiting. You've been praying. And you're like, this is it. This is the next step for me. Maybe your goal is to start a business. Perhaps you have a goal of traveling the world. Maybe your goal is something simple, like just one thing I post. Can it go viral, please? Can I get a bunch of likes? Can people really... You've got all of these goals in your life, but can I tell you something? Goals are different than purpose. Goals are not the same as purpose. See, I know people who have accomplished every one of the goals that I just mentioned. They got married, they had kids, they started a business, they got wealthy, they traveled the world, they have 20,000 followers on Instagram, and they're miserable because they've accomplished their goals, but they've failed to live out their purpose. And the flip side of that is true too. I know people who haven't done any of those things. They're not married. God hasn't given them children. They don't have a ton of money. They've never been outside of Alberta. And yet they are deeply satisfied with their life because they know that the quality and the value of their life is not determined by the goals they accomplish. It is determined by the purpose that God has given them. So listen, you can determine your goals. There's nothing wrong with that. Set your goals, try to accomplish them. But only God can determine your purpose. And living out your purpose is way better than simply accomplishing short-term goals. Like Jonah, the only thing that'll help you. The only place in which you'll discover God's true purpose for your life is in the word of the Lord. And I mean that. You could say, well, that sounds silly. That sounds trite, but it's true. You will discover God's purpose for your life in his word. So if you were to read his word, what does God say your purpose actually is? Well, it's spelled out in a number of different places, but I'm going to highlight one for you this morning. It's Romans chapter number eight, verses 29 and 30. Romans chapter eight is my favorite chapter of the Bible. It's amazing. It's so full of good stuff. And in Romans chapter number eight, verses 29 and 30, I want you to look at what the scripture says because it spells out your purpose in this world. It says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them. 
In the same way that God chose Jonah, there was a specific call. There was a reason he chose Jonah and he wouldn't let Jonah run away. He chose him and God chose you too. Scripture says God knew his people in advance and he chose them, what? For what? He reveals our purpose. He chose us to become like his son, Jesus, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So look, one of the things that you can start to think is, okay, my purpose is to do something. My purpose is to accomplish something here on earth. Jonah had a mission. His purpose was to accomplish something. Can I tell you, when you read through the scriptures, you find out that God's primary purpose for your life is not that you do something. It is that you become someone. This is what God wants. It's not about what you do, it's who you become. God is primarily concerned with your character more than anything else. And so the whole reason you're here on earth is so that you can be molded and shaped into the image of God's son. And in doing so, God will use you to change the world. We get focused on the do, but God is focused on the who. He wants you to become like Christ. Look, no matter your goals, no matter what you hope to do or accomplish in life, if you get this part right, everything else falls into line. But if you get this part wrong, you will always be unfulfilled and dissatisfied because your purpose here on earth is to become more like Jesus every single day. The scripture says that having chosen you, God called you to come to himself. Some of you know that God is calling you. He's been calling you for weeks and weeks and weeks. You've sat here, you've heard the Spirit's voice. You know that God is speaking to you. He's calling you to himself. And like Jonah, you've been running in the opposite direction. You've been trying to get as far away as fast as you possibly can. But God will not stop calling you. He will not stop hunting you down. He loves you too much to let you go in the same way that he would not let Jonah go. So the scripture says God called us to himself and having called us, he gave us right standing with himself. This is the good news of our faith, not that you're a good person and so God couldn't live without you. It's that no matter your flaws, no matter whether you run away like Jonah or you, you know, become a Pharisee, whatever the case may be, no matter what it is, God loves you and he does all the work. He gives us right standing with himself because of how much he loves us. And then the last part of this verse says that having given us right standing with himself, he also shares with us his glory. He calls you to participate in his glorious mission to redeem the world through love and sacrifice. I mean, we're going to see that Jonah is sent on this mission to chase down the people that God loves. And of course, Jonah becomes a shadow of Jesus, who was the ultimate one who was sent to chase down those people that God loves. So I want you to understand, you are here on purpose for a purpose. You're not an accident. Your life can have meaning, but you don't define the meaning. Your creator defines the meaning. The purpose that God wants to accomplish is to shape your character into the character of his son, 
Jesus. I mean, can you imagine, like, wouldn't your marriage be better if you started acting more Christ-like? Or maybe if your spouse started acting more Christ-like, wouldn't that make for a better marriage? Of course it would. Wouldn't it be better if your, if your workplace was full of people who, who treated one another like Jesus? Yes. Wouldn't it be great if we had a church that was filled to capacity with people who thought like Jesus and loved one another like Jesus? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Of course it would. So you're here on purpose for a purpose, but God is the one who ultimately defines what that purpose is. And here's the last part, because so far you may have been like with me and you're like, oh, amen, that's good, buddy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Then we get to the last part, and here's a truth that you need to know. God's purposes rarely lead somewhere comfortable. God's purposes rarely lead somewhere comfortable. Jonah was called to the very last place on earth he wanted to go. What God wanted to accomplish in him and through him was going to involve a lot of discomfort. Jonah in order to go deliver this message to the Ninevites was going to have to confront his hatred of those people. Can I just be blunt with you for a sec? Jonah was a racist. When you get right down to it, he was a racist and he had to deal with what was in his heart because he thought God can't love those people. And God says, they're my people as much as you are. I love them as much as I love you. Jonah had to confront his sinful fear where he was like, I don't know if this is gonna work out and I'm afraid if I say yes to God, I don't know where that's ultimately gonna lead. He had to confront all of that in his heart. And I'm telling you, that was, and we're gonna see, it becomes a very uncomfortable process for Jonah. And it's an uncomfortable process for me and you too. As God shapes me, to be more like Christ, as God shapes you to be more like Jesus, you are going to find yourself in uncomfortable situations and going through uncomfortable circumstances. I said a moment ago, wouldn't it be great if your marriage had two people who were actually treating one another in a Christ-like way? Can I... Can we just acknowledge, like, if you want to be more Christ-like in your marriage, that is going to be an uncomfortable process because it means that you're going to have to forgive your partner's selfishness even when they don't deserve it. It means you're going to have to pray for your husband instead of punching him upside the head, which is what you want to do in the moment. It means that you're going to have to put somebody else's needs ahead of your own even when they're not being particularly lovely to you right now. Hey, if you want to start becoming more Christ-like in your workplace, it is going to be uncomfortable. Some of you have experienced this firsthand because it means that, you know, you might have to take a stand against things that other people in your office don't even bat an eye about. They don't even think about it. And you're like, no, no, no. God has called me to integrity. He's called me to do the right thing. And so I can't go along with this. That's going to be uncomfortable. If God calls you to be more Christ-like in your office, you're going to have to do good to a boss who has only ever done you wrong. And that's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to talk to your coworkers about Jesus. And you don't always know how they're going to respond. Guess what? That's uncomfortable. If you want to become more Christ-like, even in your own soul, in your personal spiritual life, it is an uncomfortable process. 
It means you'll have to serve when you'd rather be asleep. Hello, it's Time Change Sunday. Do you think anybody was excited about coming up here an hour early today for church? No, we would have loved an extra hour of sleep, but I'll tell you what, our dream team knows this, God is trying to accomplish something in them and through them. And so they're willing to deal with less than, or an hour less of sleep so that can happen. If you, if you wanna become more like Christ in your own spirit, in your own soul, then you're gonna have to put up with some Christians who don't always act Christ-like. You're gonna have to deal with what God is trying to do in your soul. But I'm telling you, everything God does in the world and in your heart is so that he can accomplish his purpose in you. We're gonna see, I mean, Jonah's story just gets better and better and better. But we're gonna see that this story reveals God's total love for every single person on the planet. God loved those evil Ninevites and he loved rebellious Jonah. God loves me and he loves you and he loves every single one of you. And we're gonna see that if we cooperate with God's purpose, instead of trying to run away and hide and escape from the Lord like Jonah was, God really can change your life and use you to change the world. God, I pray that you would convince us of how important it is to say yes to you, to cooperate with what you're trying to do in our heart and soul. And God, we trust and pray that although it would be an uncomfortable process, it is a good thing. And so Father, I pray that we would be obedient and we would say yes to you and that God, you would do whatever it is that you wanna do in us and through us. We're yours and we surrender control today in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.